Well, it is good to have Pastor and Mrs. Connor here with us uh, this evening, and uh, they came to town for the National Pastors Conference starting tomorrow night in Ajax, Ontario at Faithway Baptist Church. So you'd be in prayer for many that will be traveling over the next couple days. We'd appreciate that. We're looking forward to a good time of preaching and fellowship up in Ajax over the next couple days. Pastor uh, and Mrs. Connor have been in Vancouver now. They just finished their 39th year of ministry, and I, I don't know for sure, Pastor, but I think that probably is the longest tenure of independent Baptists in Canada that I can think of currently. And uh, we praise the Lord for the longevity. And uh, the average life of a pastor in the church is about five years. And we thank the Lord that in Canada, I think it's a little bit higher. And I appreciate that. And uh, But it's, a, it's a, a mark of faithfulness, and we appreciate Pastor Connor. He's been a friend to me and always been a help and a counsel to me over the years, and I appreciate him so much. And so, Pastor Connor, you come and preach to us tonight from the Word of God. And I remember, he doesn't like this, but he, he says, it was the anniversary of him coming to Canada or something. And I said, you know, I, I don't remember much, but I remember you being introduced to Bethel Baptist Church. I was five years old. And so th- he didn't like that. And for some reason, I'm not sure why. God bless you. Take your song and get out of here. Okay? <laughs> Thanks, Brother Ferry. Oh, man. I knew, I thought this morning he made it through this morning, didn't say anything about that. Okay, he's forgotten. But anyway, that's the way it is. All right, let's take our Bibles and uh, let's open to Psalm 23 to begin with tonight. Psalm 23. You know, there's a, a reason why my wife and I make this journey. There are, there are places in your life that God gives you that become very important in the journey of your life. And I've lived in Vancouver now for uh, 39 years, as your pastor just shared with you. And uh, the Lord's been very good to us there. We started our church in uh, August of 1982. And uh, the Lord has just uh, watched over us, blessed us, provided for us. If I start, I won't end. There's just so many things that God has done for us in Vancouver, and we're very thankful for all of his goodness to us. But it was here in this little town that God brought us first into Canada 43 years ago, and we began our ministry here. This building was not even in existence in those days. It was a field. Uh, but over at Maple and Head Street, began our ministry there and working under Dr. Harry Strachan, one of your previous pastors, and uh, had the privilege of serving under him in uh, song leading and uh, directing the choir and all those kinds of things and, and uh, really enjoyed our time here. We had a great ministry. Uh, Doc was a, a great preacher and a wonderful uh, leader and uh, certainly challenged my life. And uh, during the years that we were here on staff, a couple of important things happened. Uh, First of all, on July 13th, 1980, my wife and I were both saved. And you say, no, wait a minute, I thought you were here on staff. Okay, that's, that's true, but this is also true. My wife and I were both saved the same Sunday night, and uh, I got saved right over there, and my wife got saved at the other end. And it's a long story uh, how the Lord worked in our lives, but uh, we both came to know Christ. And then about a year later, uh, as I was leading the singing over here, um, God called me to preach. 
And so my life was changed uh, in this place in many wonderful ways. And uh, so we've always considered Bethel, mm, I guess, a piece of home. I remember many years ago, well, it's not been that many years ago, but several years ago, I come back for something and somebody sat down next to me and said, and by the way, this is the only place in Canada that calls me Gord. Now, that's a Southern Ontario thing. Guys with the name Gordon is shortened to Gord. I've, been, I've always been Gord Connor here. And I tell our people out in Vancouver that, and they're, what? <laughs> What's this? It's even in the bulletin. I'm going to take it back. I told my wife, look, it's Gord Connor several times. Our preacher tonight, Gord Connor. And uh, in Vancouver, no, I get more respect there. <laughs> <laughs> they call they call me by my full name, but anyway, um, but it, it, this has been a very special place for us, and so we do enjoy coming back. I told Pastor T- uh, Fury, I said we're going to come down, and I said we just want to see how many people are yet alive that remember us, <laughs> and so it's good to see some of you. In fact, some of you say you're still alive. That's good. I'm glad to see that. And uh, one day we're going to, of course, be in heaven together, and we rejoice in that. All right, let's take it. We've turned our Bibles to Psalm 23. I'll tell you what, let's read this psalm in opening tonight. Let's read it together in unison, if you would, all right? And maybe you've quoted it or memorized it, given it to heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, one of the most beautiful pictures that we have of the relationship between God and the Lord is that of the shepherd and sheep. Often we find this expression. In fact, we're not going to stay in Psalm 23. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm 79. Let's quickly read a couple of other verses. And if you're able to follow quickly with me, we'll settle into a text here in just a little bit. But Psalm 79 and verse number 13, we read, So we thy people and the sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. Psalm 95, a few pages over. Psalm 95 and verse number 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. And then Psalm 100 is another one that is pretty familiar to us. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. We Boy, we did that tonight. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And, of course, the great psalm that we began with uh, this evening in Psalm 23. 
the concept of the shepherd and sheep, though, is not confined to just the Psalms. We're going to look at a couple other verses before we get to our text. Isaiah chapter number 40. Well, I'll have you to turn over there as well. Isaiah chapter 40. I'm sorry, they're just short, short passages, short verses, but I think it'll help us to get into the mindset of where we want to go with this. All right, Isaiah 40 verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. And then even in the book of Ezekiel, you wouldn't think it it talks about shepherds in Ezekiel. Yes, Ezekiel 34 and verse number 11. For thus saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Dropping down to verse 14. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be and they shall lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture and they shall feed upon the mountains of Israel and I will, or I will feed my flock and will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken, will strengthen that which was sick, but I will destroy the fat and the strong and will feed them with judgment. So again, through all of these verses, we see the Lord doing what? Caring and caring for his sheep and ministering to them. But you know, the teaching of the shepherd and sheep is also repeated in, in the New Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ is called in Hebrews, he's called the great shepherd of the sheep. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he's identified as being the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Obviously, someone who is involved in caring for the sheep. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, he is called the chief shepherd. And that's really dealing with the relationship that he has with men who are called to be pastors, the under shepherds. And he, of course, is above all. And at his return, he will bring with him a crown of glory that fadeth not away. These all clearly identify the Lord Jesus as our shepherd. Now, I'm going to ask you tonight from the very beginning, do you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and shepherd? You know, he desires to be both in your life and for eternity. And do you understand how good it is for you to have such a shepherd? You know, which means an understanding that you are a sheep. Now, I know that most of us think, well, you know, a sheep's a pretty, well, you know, a sheep is a sheep. You know, we'd rather be things like a lion or an eagle. You know, we'd rather be these, you know, these courageous creatures. But, you know, the fact is that they have no shepherd to look after them. They're on their own. And the Bible tells us in the Psalm, Psalm 34, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. That word want means they are lacking in that. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. See, on the other hand, sheep have someone who cares for them and leads them. Now, I want us to turn tonight to the Gospel of John Chapter number 10, John's Gospel, chapter 10. And this is where we're going to settle in tonight. And we find the Lord Jesus himself using this concept of the shepherd 
and the sheep. And here he's not identifying himself as the great shepherd. He's not identifying himself as the chief shepherd, but as the good shepherd. And if we can keep it personal tonight, like uh, David does in in Psalm 23, if we can personalize that relationship with the Lord this evening, the Lord is my shepherd, my good shepherd. So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight. Lord, we thank you for the sweet fellowship that we've had with Pastor and Mrs. Fury. And Lord, just a, a time for my wife and I, really for a few hours, literally, to come and, and just uh, reflect a little bit on your love and your care for us. And uh, Lord, what this, um, this town in southern Ontario means to us. And we pray for Bethel Baptist Church. We pray, Lord, that it would continue to press on and do the work that you have called them to do. And uh, Lord, again tonight, as we look to your word and to your teaching, I pray that you'll instruct us and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, my shepherd, leads me. Let's begin in verse number one. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." And a stranger they will not follow, but but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. The parable spake, uh, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Now, Middle Eastern shepherds really kept their sheep in two kinds of sheepfolds. There was a time when they would be out on the hillsides, and of course that was a big deal of the time, but in the evenings they would often then, uh, they would build a small corral, I guess we would call it today, and it would be made out of some, you know, some stones that were piled up and maybe some thorn branches or things woven together, and this would be a temporary place out in the, out in the hills when they were keeping their sheep. But there were times that the shepherds would come back into the villages and into the towns, and inside the towns there was really, I guess what we could call a community corral. And it would be a little bit larger, obviously, because several flocks would be coming into that same fold. And it would be uh, walls a little bit higher, maybe a secure gate. And they would have a full-time employee, somebody there, the porter. And he would be there to keep the door of the sheep at night. And this is what the Lord is talking about here in our text. And so he describes a shepherd coming to the flock or coming to the corral. He's recognized by the porter. The porter says, hey, Joe, come on in. And he comes in and there he is. And here's this mixed gathering of all of these flocks. And you're thinking, how in the world is he ever going to separate that flock? How's he going to get his sheep out of there? Do they have ear tags? Are they, you know, they got a spray marking on them? Are they branded? I mean, how long would that take if you got a bunch of sheep and sorting it through? But the shepherds in those days would come into the flock and would come into the midst of that mix. And they all had developed over the years a, 
A unique type of voice or call to their sheep, sometimes a, a rather sing-songy type of thing. And they would begin to call out and their sheep immediately would all perk up because they recognized the voice of their shepherd. And once he began to move and began to call them, then all of those sheep would separate themselves and follow. The other sheep would ignore him. Hmm. Now notice what it says in verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. The sheep hear his voice. There was a familiarity, a recognition from the sheep. They knew that voice, and they knew that call. Now, uh, uh, Pastor Ferry, John Getcher has been here to preach for you, has he not? He hasn't? I thought I one time you talked about it. Anyway. We, our church uh, for probably, should have been 22 years, COVID sort of changed that. We've had him via live stream the last, or taped, whatever. Uh, we have evangelist John Getch. He's also executive vice president at West Coast Baptist College. And Brother Getch was supposed to celebrate 20 years, I think, in 2020 with coming every year for us. And we love his preaching. And he's a great preacher. But I remember Brother Getch coming once and, and he sort of gave an illustration of this. He had, he, in his younger years, well, he's always been an evangelist and still is an evangelist, but his younger years, he, he was an evangelist out preaching and he had a, you know, a, a trailer home and he re- had his family, his kids and everything else. And he related a story about they were uh, somewhere in the Midwest of the United States and, and they had gone to a church and been preaching. They'd been invited out to the home of a family to have a meal with them. And, and when they got out, there was out on the farm. And uh, John was raised on a, on a farm. And so he's very familiar with that. But they raised sheep. And so he said it was really quite an idyllic scene. They got there. The grass was green. And there were hills and trees. And he said the sheep were all scattered around. And so they went over to the fence. And they looked at the, were looking at the sheep. And he had his, of course, his kids were with him, his younger kids. And he said the farmer began to call out to the sheep. And he said, they all perked up and they all came running to the fence, much to the delight of his kids. They were just so excited. Dad, look at this, you know, and they all came running. So they went on in and they had a meal with the family. And afterwards, they still had a bit of time. So they went back out and he and his kids were looking out over the hills and the sheep, of course, had scattered all over again. Dad, Dad, call the sheep, call the sheep, Dad. So Brother Getch said, well, he said, well, he said, I remembered what the, what the farmer had done. And he said, I remember the words that he used. And he said, and I tried to imitate his voice. And he said, and I called and I called and I called and I tried to do everything that I could to get those sheep to come. And they didn't even look up. <laughs> Why? Because they didn't recognize his voice. It was the voice of the shepherd that attracted them. The voice of the farmer in this case. Notice what also it says, and he calleth his own sheep by name. Boy, what a tender picture that is. Ever think about that? What do you think he called them, you know? You, know, you big nose, you know, tender names, you know? Oh, Blackie or you big ears, I don't know. Bill, Mabel, I guess, something. But they knew his voice. And he put his forth, verse 4, his own sheep, and he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. But you know, in this wonderful picture, the Lord Jesus also sets a warning about others who want the sheep. Not to care for them, but to abuse them, to rob them of their value, even their life. 
Verse 5, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Verse 8, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. You know, the devil always has his counterfeits. His strangers that come along to do evil, to hurt the sheep. And note the term stranger, thief, steal, kill, destroy. Now, are those good things? No, they're not. I think all of us would see, you know, we see them in. No, that, there's nothing good. And yet, experience tells us how appealing these strangers can seem to us. Even when we know their intent. But I want you to notice also the exclusiveness of the Lord's position. He says in verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it's so important for us today never to lose sight of the fact that Jesus is the only door to heaven. Now, we live in a pluralistic society. I I imagine that the society that I live in is much more pluralistic than your society here in Simcoe. I live in Vancouver, a big city. We have every kind of religion. We even have a a religion that was was started in Vancouver. It's called Cabalarian Philosophy. You're going, oh, great. Yeah, well, anyway, I won't get into what it is. But we we have all of this stuff that goes on, and we're very pluralistic. And we defend the right for anyone to believe whatever they want to believe in their faith or no faith at all. But we must never back away from this great truth. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So my shepherd leads me. I share with you also, though, my shepherd gives me life. Notice verse 10, and this is probably one of the more familiar verses out of this chapter. The thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. You know, before Jesus came into my life, I was, I was dead in trespasses and sins. I had no life. In fact, it is impossible to have life without him. First John tells us, and this is the record that God had given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I mean, that's what John 3.16 is all about. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I, can I tell you this evening that this life is everlasting, it's eternal, and it's an overflowing life. It's a life that will never end. Why? Because we have passed from darkness into light. Uh. In John chapter 14, just a few pages over, Another familiar, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. That sounds like the shepherd and his sheep. He's saying, we're going to be together for all eternity. And may I add that this life in Christ is truly an abundant life. 
And it's an abundant in many ways, including many ways that you and I, we think, okay, yeah, heaven's my home. I'm looking forward to eternal life. But God says, this life that I've given, it's abundant right now. It's full. It's overflowing. I mean, we read at the outset of the message tonight, we read from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, maketh me to lie down. You know, green pastures, still waters, you know, he restoreth my soul, he does all those things. Those are the things that God is doing for us as our shepherd right now. When he talks about abundant life, he says, I've got something that I want you to have, and it is wonderful life. And really, when you stop to think about how can life get any better? When the shepherd's at work, when the shepherd's doing what he wants to do and we're receiving on the receiving end, do you understand that the stranger only wants to rob you? He only wants to destroy you. He only wants to hinder your life. So the principle is you and I need to make certain that we are staying close to our shepherd. And if you're not his yet, can I urge you to come and trust him today? Now, the Bible also, let me share with you, Jesus, my shepherd, gave his life for me. Let's go back to verse 10 and we'll go on to verse 11. I am come, I'll start right in the middle of the verse, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. Do you know Galatians 2.20? Are you familiar with that verse? I am crucified with Christ. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And here's my favorite part of the verse. Who loved me and gave himself for me. That's amazing. You know, Paul was just caught up in that. He said, you know, he, it's great to use the broad terms for God so love the world. But Paul said, hey, who loved me and gave himself for me. And this is a great wonder. The life that he offers to us, this abundant life that he desires to be ours, comes at great cost to the shepherd. In fact, for us to have this life, the shepherd had to die in our place. Later on in this chapter 10, verse 17, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Folks understand this. The devil never gives anything. Never. He only takes the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, gave his life for us, and he gives his life to us. Now, why is that important? Because, well, quite frankly, we're all sinners. The Bible makes that very plain. I'm not telling you anything new when I tell you that Romans 3 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And the fact of the matter is, is that... We can't escape that fact. It's evident in everything we do or say, no matter how we try to cover it or deny it, sin thrives in every human heart on this planet. Uh, we, uh, I was talking, um, I'm trying to decide whether I can have time to rabbit chase for just, uh, yeah, I'll tell you. you know, I try to, people don't always understand that, but I think people realize there's a lot of rotten people around, a lot of uncooperative people. Uh, my home in Vancouver is on the east side of Vancouver, and uh, over the last few years, we've gained a new neighbor. Uh, 
And this new neighbor is a 30-story apartment building. And it's, it's 70 meters from my front door. So I walk out and I look up. And there it is. It's a great big tall building. And people are moving in. Well, obviously, when there's a big, tall building there, uh, and I know you all hear about housing prices in Vancouver. Well, I'm in an area, and God led us to this home after we rented for 21 years. God allowed us to buy a home. Our, our dear church helped us to get into this home. And uh, now, because of the development that's going on all around our area, my home is worth a lot of money. I won't tell you how much, but it's worth a lot of money. And we, in the last three years, have sold our home three times to developers, and every time the deal has collapsed because of neighbors. This guy wanted more money. This guy wanted this. This guy wanted this. This guy didn't want to do this. This guy didn't like the realtor. This guy didn't this. And so I've been trying to connect with my realtor some and try to share with him sort of what's going on. And I told him, I said, you've worked really hard. He's brought a lot of developers. I said, you've worked really, really hard in all this. I appreciate all your efforts. I know you're disappointed. You're really mad at some of the neighbors in the neighborhood. But I want to tell you why this happens. I said, it's called sin. (laughs) It's sin. That's what it is. It's the greed. It's the, it's, you know, all of that kind. And our world is filled with that. You know, a lot of people say, boy, our world's a mess. Look at everything that's going on. Just stop and tell them it's because we're sinners. For all have sinned. And in our sin, I have to tell you, we are condemned for the wages of sin is death. What you and I earn because of our sin is death. Death physically, death spiritually, and if we don't get saved, death eternally in a place called hell. In John chapter 3, verse 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. So we're condemned, and we can do nothing to redeem our own selves or save ourselves. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, I'm sure you've heard a thousand times from this pulpit down through the years, if not a million times. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy has saved us. So you and I can't do enough good things to get ourselves into heaven. And this is the reason why Jesus Christ came to earth. Not to start a new religion, not to teach as many wonderful truths or heal the sick, although he did all of those things. The reason why he came was to take our place in sin's judgment, to die in our place, to rise again from the dead, so that he could give us his life. God commendeth his love toward us us in that while we were yet sinners under that condemnation Christ died for us who loved me and gave himself for me I am the good shepherd the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep do you realize this evening that Jesus Christ the good shepherd has everything that you need for salvation brother Fury mentioned that tonight as we were singing He's done everything for us. Nothing left for us to do. He came to do with us, do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Jesus, my shepherd, gave his life to me. But I want you to notice also, Jesus, my shepherd, cares for me. Verse 9, I am the door by me. 
<coughs> if any man enter, excuse me, enter in, he shall be saved and go in and out and find pasture. And then verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. It's interesting. Hirelings don't care. They don't care. They're in it for their money. Pay me, my, pay me my hours and I'm out of here. And if anything unusual comes upon them, they leave the sheep and they scatter and are gone. G. Campbell Morgan is a pastor from many, many years ago, over probably about 100 years ago. And it relates to a story about a friend of his that had gone on a trip and spent some time in the Middle East. Now, this is before Israel had come back as a nation, before, you know, uh, it was popular tourist destination, before all the tension and strife that we witness today. And the friend of Morgan's was traveling with a guide through the region, and they came, they came to a shepherd. They found a shepherd. They were out. And so, you know, he wanted to engage in the local community. And so he began to talk with the, the shepherd. And, and the shepherd was pretty excited. He wanted to tell him all about his sheep. And, and, uh, and he showed them his sheepfold. And am I losing? Oh, thank you so much. I meant to ask for this earlier, and I didn't. And now I won't be able to get it open. But thank you. It's the dry air here in southern Ontario. And so the, the shepherd was, you know, excited to have this foreigner there, and he showed him his sheep, and he showed him his, his sheepfold, his pen, and, uh, and it consisted of very four, you know, walls with a very small interest. And so his friend asked him, he said, this is where they go in at night? He goes, oh, yes. He said, they go in there, and when they're in there, they are perfectly safe. And his friend said, well, there's, there's no gate on this. There's no, you know, how can they be safe? And the shepherd said to him, I am the door. Now, this man is not a Christian. He had no knowledge of the New Testament. He was an Arab shepherd. He had no idea, but his expression was, I am the door. He said, so this is where they go in at night? Yes, they're perfectly safe here. But no door, no gate. Ah, I am the door. He said, well, what do you mean by the door? He said, well, when the light goes gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie down in the open space. And no sheep ever goes out across my body, and no other animal that could hurt them will come in over my body. You know, the reality is Jesus is that door. He is the protection and care that the, we need as sheep. As the door, he's our protection. As the shepherd, he's provider. In fact, do you realize that nothing can ever happen in your life and mine that the Lord has not permitted to happen? God's not caught off guard. I'll tell you what. Every preacher I know of has scratched his head for the last 18 months and said, God, what in the world are you doing? Why in the world are we going through this? I was on a missions trip. In the Philippines, getting ready to go see a couple of our missionaries. And President Duterte stood up and I got on the radio. We'd already booked for our second flight ended. He said, as of Sunday night, all domestic flights will be canceled. Okay, that's not good. 
And then things began to collapse, and we began to scramble to get tickets to get home. And then you come home, I, I come back home to our church, and I never had a service. Why? Because we were all shut down. And you guys have been through all of it. We could compare notes. Our, we're going to have COVID war stories to tell to our grandchildren, you know? Ah, back in the days of COVID, yeah. But the times that I get frustrated and I get discouraged and I get weary, I have to say the Lord knows all about this. Hmm. Everything happens because of the permission of our loving God. Every circumstances, we must acknowledge that God is with us. He knows all things, and he has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Frank Graff wrote so many years ago, does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. Jesus, my shepherd, also knows me. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. I was thinking while everybody was singing, we sang several songs, and those same expressions were there. I know him and he knows me. I'll tell you. He calls his sheep by name. They know his voice. There's a tender relationship there. And if you're saved this evening, then you've been adopted into God's family, and God says that makes you one of his sheep. And I can tell you that he knows everything about you. And when the Lord has, is your shepherd, we're never lost in a crowd. We're never you know, misplaced somewhere. He already knows whatever it is that you're going through. It doesn't matter how frightening it might be. It doesn't matter uh, how uncertain the circumstances are. He already knows. Isaiah 43 talks about the Lord speaks of how he knows he knew Jacob and Israel. He said, I've created you. I've formed you. I've named you. You are mine. When thou passest through the waters, I'll be with you. The floods are not going to overflow you. The fires aren't going to touch you. God knows me. A lot of Bible descriptions we could give of his knowledge. The hairs on our head, mine are rapidly less in count. The thoughts of our hearts, the intentions, our motives, the things that scare us, the things that bring us peace, the things that motivate us, our words, our, even our needs. Matthew says, before we even ask, he knows. And I can assure you this evening, no matter what you're going through right now, Jesus, the good shepherd, knows. Every bit about it. Every detail, every tear, every sorrow, every joy. He is the shepherd that knows his sheep. And you know what? He invites me to know him. Notice what it says in verse 14. I know my sheep and am known of mine. I have to tell you, the times I'm most distressed, the times that I'm most caught up with what's going on in my life, are usually are the times that I've drifted from my knowing of him. In other words, I've, I've ceased to connect with him. My spending time in his presence isn't what it ought to be. And it's interesting how easily we are pulled away from the one who we know is going to care for us and the one that, that, that wants to look after us. He knows us. And we have the blessing of knowing him. I mean, it was Paul who also shared his passion with the church at Philippi. He said, that I may know him. 
And then lastly tonight, and I'm done, Jesus, my shepherd, holds me in his hand. Now, verse 19, there was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. The one he's just been telling them, all these wonderful truths. And many of them said, he hath a devil and is mad. Why do you listen to Why hear ye him? Others said, these are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? That happened back in chapter 9. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication. It was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because you're not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. Hmm. Quite a story. After he'd had this wonderful explanation of the good shepherd relationship with the sheep, those who rejected him began to challenge him. They wanted to ask him questions he'd already answered. But because of the coldness of their hearts and unbelief, they did not hear him. Sadly, they were not his sheep. But then there's another wonderful revelation given to us. Let me read verse 27 again. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I am my Father as one. As a sheep in God's flock, I'm held securely in Jesus' hand, and I'm also held in the Father's hand, and uh, I don't have a third hand. But the Bible also says that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. We have a marvelous triple security. There is no way that you and I will ever be separated from the care and the love of our Savior. I'm in his hands forever. You know, every time I read the shepherd passages, Psalm 23, Ezekiel 34, John 10, I'm always stirred by the truth of the shepherd and his care for me and you. You know... uh, my wife and I have been gone a long time, 39 years. Next, next August, we'll celebrate 40 years in Vancouver and 40 years of pastoring. And yet after all these years of knowing the Lord and after all these years of serving him, I've really not moved beyond that. I'm a sheep and he's the shepherd. There's really no place I'd rather be. It doesn't matter how long you're saved or how recently you got saved, if we understand this simple truth, the Lord is my shepherd. He is a good shepherd. He loves me. And every time that I think that I can make it on my own, I'm always quickly confronted with the reality in some way that I am not sufficient in myself. I need a shepherd. I need someone who has chosen to be my shepherd, the bishop of my soul, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, my shepherd good shepherd who leads me Hmm. only through him do i have assurance of salvation there's no other way who has given me life eternal life but also abundant life in every way who gave his life for me and this is so amazing you know the difference between the stranger jesus came to die that i might live who cares for me And so when my life is grim, when it's filled with disappointment, when I don't know what the future is going to hold, he is there always caring for me. And he knows me. 
my name, where I'm at, what's going on in my life, and looking after me. And he holds me in his hand. How much better can it get? This is the shepherd that we have. May we find grace and comfort. I wonder tonight, is he your shepherd? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. Father, we love you. We thank you for a time to reflect upon the good shepherd. And Lord, that not in just the generic term, but Lord, how personal this relationship is. And so Lord, I, I ask this evening, Lord, I, we normally think, you know, Sunday night crowd, folks have gathered. They know the Lord. They want to be here. They want to, they want to lift their voices in praise. They want to hear some preaching. And, and yet, Lord, I know it was me, the assistant pastor that wasn't saved, or my wife. And, Lord, you did a mighty work in our lives, bringing us to understand that, that even though we were doing things sincerely, we were not truly born again. And so, Lord, I would never cast, want anybody to doubt or be concerned. But, Lord, I do understand that, Lord, not everyone who calls you Lord, Lord, is truly yours. And so, Lord, I pray tonight for those that may be here that do not know you as Savior. Maybe they're a guest tonight. Maybe this is the first time they've ever come to Bethel Baptist Church. And, Lord, I pray that the truth of a loving Savior that came and died in their place would resonate in their hearts. They would recognize how much they need you. Lord, I, I pray for believers tonight. I ask, Lord, that you would help us. These are difficult days. These are struggling days. They're days filled with uncertainty. We always wonder what the next day is going to bring. And yet through it all, Lord, you've, you've not moved. You've been there for us. You're always the same, and we thank you, Lord, for that. Help us to reflect, wait a minute, I've got a shepherd. He loves me, he knows me, he cares for me, he's given himself to me, he's, he's given me life, and I can trust him to do what is best for me, and I know that he's going to care for me and that he holds me securely in his hand. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you tonight, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Has there been a day and a time? I know sometimes you may not know the exact day, but is there a settledness and assurance in your heart this evening that you can say, Pastor Connor, I know tonight, I'm, I, I understand I'm not perfect. There's a lot of things in my life I probably I know I need to work on. But you would say, I do know this. I know this one thing, that there was a day that I trusted Christ, and I know without any hesitation that he is my Savior tonight and that heaven will one day be my home. No one's looking around, but I wonder, if that's your testimony, could you slip up your hand, just put it up and put it back down? We do this a lot in our church. I know that I'm saved. All right, thank you. God bless you. Thank you. May put them down. Now, if you're here tonight and there is a doubt in your mind or heart, you say, you know, I'm not really certain. I'm not sure that I know that. Can I tell you, in just a moment, we'll sing a hymn of invitation It'll be played or we'll sing it, whatever it might be. But we want to give you an opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Pastor Ferry will be here. I'm sure others will be here. Be glad to meet you and to sit down, have somebody team up with you to be able to open the Word of God and share with you from the Bible how you can know Christ as your Savior. 
But I also wonder tonight, those of you that raised your hand, those of you that know Christ, maybe there's one say, Pastor Connor, yeah, maybe I'm facing some things right now that I, I'm struggling with and I don't understand them. And tonight the Lord has encouraged me and given me a reminder that the Lord is indeed my shepherd. And you just say, will you pray for me that I might really embrace this concept and make it mine again, refresh my soul with it. And you'd say, pray for me tonight. Is there one at all by an uplifted hand? Just say, pray for me. Wait just a moment. Yes. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the privilege of being here. I pray for those that may not know you as Savior. Lord, may they step out and trust you tonight. Lord, I pray for Christians tonight. May our hearts have been encouraged and strengthened by these realities, and may they have found a true resting place in us. And I pray for those that are struggling, Lord. All of us have gone through difficult times. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to draw close to you in this our great time of need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Ferry.